On today's show, Craig Porter Jr., what are his next steps? And did the Cavs miss out by not signing Danilo Gallinari? We'll talk about those two topics and All-Star Weekend on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Let's dive into today's Lockdown Cavs. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, let's start with Craig Porter Jr. So we talked about his new contract briefly the other day, Evan. It broke mid-recording stream. So let's think about him now, big picture. He's on a four-year deal, multiple non-guaranteed years, all of that. He's an older rookie, obviously. So where does he go? If you're looking at him and you're thinking about how does he get to a place where next year, the year after, the life of this contract, he is a rotation piece for the Cavs, someone that plays for them, someone that actually matters on this roster. How does he get there and elevate himself from being just a, a fringe rotation bit player this season? Um, at least for now, I with Cleveland more or less being entrenched one through seven maybe eight most nights one through ten overall um you're probably looking at the reality that craig porter jr spent the better part of his actual nba contract in the g league playing with the charge under mike garrity just to actually get the on-court reps that he's not going to get on a nightly basis with cleveland especially um with the playoff push coming soon after the end of the all-star break so for me, you get him as many on-rep and on-court opportunities as you can. He had a very good game for the Chargers. He had 20-something points and six assists and a win over Grand Rapids. Played very well. Um, but just like keep utilizing the same system and same um, terminology and phrasing that the Cavs do that the Charge utilize as well. And just kind of keep training him within that unit and with that ideology and mindset. And then you keep tabs on him whenever you can. I think you can obviously have the luxury of assigning him to the charge, but now you don't have to deal with the uh, back and forth of a two-way contract and how many times he can be up with the team or with the charge and so on. And um, you can just kind of take temperature checks of that whenever you can if you're J.P. Baker's staff in the Cavs, but just get him as many on-court reps as possible, and then you can see where he's at. Probably, I would assume he plays during summer league, where he's at summer league time, and then you kind of take this on like a, I don't want to sound rude to Craig Porter Jr., but like a year-by-year approach, because something better could fall into your laps between now and then. But like for now, like you have the baseline guarantees, you have the financials, you know what he's going to be making for the next four years. It's probably going to be on a year-by-year basis with him, and you just keep your uh, finger on the pulse of his development and maybe he becomes a guy that becomes like your ninth or 10th man next season, or maybe he's not. And he's a guy who is on the outside looking into the rotation. So it, I don't think it's rude year to year. Cause that's just the reality. That's just like what life is for a lot of guys in the NBA. Most guys like don't get the luxury of being on teams like and having a guaranteed roster you feel like it's just the reality when you're not a, a superstar but Evan I, I want to just ask specifically you mentioned like the infrastructure all of that stuff is fine and good but what skills 
Like, what skills does Porter Jr. need to actually become to elevate himself from where he's at? Not just this is how they do it in in a broader sense, but like, what are the skills? What are the parts of his game that need to get better in your mind for him to get to that next level? Uh, finding something of a reliable perimeter shot. I know that's probably the easiest answer you can give because he does give, at least when he does play for the Cavs, like quite a pulse, quite of like an impact when he is on the court for Cleveland. But um, once opposing teams had more film on him and once he was on the scouting report a little bit more, it became clear like if you wanted to dare him to shoot, mm, he would take the opportunity, but it's a gamble most opposing teams are worth or willing rather to take. So maybe that's just like the approach is like if he develops his outside shot a little bit more and gets more comfortable being <clears throat> more of a stretchier guard, even if it's not like a solid, solid part of his game. Um, like there's historically speaking guards who don't have an outside shot that function, but just the nature of the harder than ever. It's, yeah, it's, it's harder than ever. It's harder than ever. Yeah. Like it's just the nature of the beast in the modern NBA. Like if you are a guard player or any, really any position, like if you aren't able to provide something from three point range, it becomes less and less like viable for you to be on the court. So for me, it's developing a shot and then maybe working forward from there. And there's other small team things too, like, just having a firmer understanding of how Cleveland likes to operate offensively. Um, they obviously don't have Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, etc. at the G League level, but they try to do some similar things that the Cavs do with a charge. And maybe there's some sameness there to kind of like build some familiarity and comfort so you have a more robust understanding of how Cleveland functions offensively. And then, at least for like Mike Garrity, who is in communication with J.B. Vickers staff, like you can scheme up stuff that is a little bit more conducive to the fact just in case um, Porter's shot doesn't manifest the way Cleveland hopes it does. I, I think we're getting ahead. I think, to me, you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself just on, like, you don't scheme things for Craig Porter Jr. You scheme I, I things for Donovan that, but, like, if you have a point guard who is a spacing liability, you, you put spacing around. Then. But if, but if you have to play him, like, in the event an injury happens or this is a designated rest night, like, you build lineups that are conducive <clears throat> to the point guard that you have out there or any player really and like the Cavs have shooting options elsewhere to kind of mitigate that but ideally you want to have him you want him to have like a translatable outside shot yeah that's the whole thing if he doesn't learn how to shoot at an effective clip he's not going to have a long NBA career like he's just not that that's it's to me it's kind of that simple like the best thing you said is he has to work on his outside shot for for this year He's taken 21 threes in 32 games. That's less than a three a game. That's not... That's, is that just that's the Cavs or the, the Cavs and the charge? That's just the charge. I'm not... He's That's just the Cavs. In 32 games, he's taken 0. .7 threes a game. At the NBA level, the numbers that I think... Um, the A that I'm looking at B that I think kind of give us the bigger picture of like where he's actually got against NBA competition, he's taken under a three game. He's shooting 33% on those attempts. And I think you saw once he'd played five, ten games in the NBA, teams started saying, Craig, hey, you brought the ball up. That's great. We're going to give you space. We're going to say, take, take that three, my guy. We're going we're gonna to part the Red Sea for you. Uh, like, quote, the quote, that, Stan Van Gundy, they're going to build an expletive wall dare Craig Porter Jr. to charge into. Yeah. It. Yeah. They were saying, do you can have that room. We don't think you're going to shoot it. And if you do, that's we're cool with that. That is... Liability number one, and like the, the you can count the number of you can count on one hand the number of guards in the league right now who play real minutes, who don't have a robust outside shot, who don't have a trustworthy three point shot in the modern NBA. It is a must. 
this is part of why Porter Jr. ends up being undrafted. So to me, that's number one. His free throw percentage would kind of, and, and it's one attempt, one and a half attempts a game. It's not, that's not a robust number, but I don't, mm-hmm. we'll see kind of where that goes. It, that's not a great indicator as far as a, as a jump shot for him goes at the NBA level. That's number one. And I think number two, I think just learning to play at times a little bit quicker. I think he is very comfortable when the game is a little slower and it's he's kind of like part of a, mm-hmm. a team that's kind of doing one specific thing. I think learning to play at pace, make reads, pass guys open and not just be a game manager is the next step if he wants to, to add a little bit more juice on that end. There's a lot of positives in terms of his defensive instincts, his defensive placement, his know-how, the toughness I think is all really there. But to me, it's can you speed it up? Can you make reads at a faster clip and and unlock looks for other guys and take three point shooting. Those are he he is not going. He is someone that needs to fit a system. He does not get the system, of course, built for him. Of course, and I'm going to pass this back to you real quick because it is a question that has come up in my head as we've had this discussion. He's an older rookie. Um, how much juice is left to squeeze out of Craig Porter Jr. in terms of his development? More than the fact that. He may be a very finished product because he is a 25-year-old rookie um, playing in the NBA currently. I don't personally look at... I'm a little bit... I've come to a point where I am more bullish than bearish than I I, on older rookies versus... Now, we've seen successes in recent years of older rookies having success. 23, my, my bad. Well, whatever. He's like, by NBA standards, that's like an old rookie. But I kind of think we're at a point now where like there is some value in guys. It's not like you you drafted him and he's Brandon, he's like an NBA version of Brandon Whedon and is 27 when he gets to the, to the NBA. He is 23 and he's actually had time to develop. Now, are there, the, the reason I think teams have gone after younger guys in recent years and why like older rookies got a bad rap for a long time is because they come in molded. There is just molding that for him happened at Wichita State that if you got him at 19, you would have got to mold him more directly. But he comes in a little bit more finished. I just, I think if you, I, and I just do think to you, if you, to give the Cavs credit on one thing about this, I think one thing specifically and among other things, they have had success with older rookies at least becoming serviceable-ish NBA players. Say what you want about Lamar Stevens. He at least like gave you some solid enough minutes and is like uh, was competent in, in certain ways. Dean Wade was an older rookie who came in and they developed and now he's a key part of this team when he's healthy. Sam Sasha Merrill Khan was an older rookie. That 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 doesn't count. He didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Flies Sam Merrill comes during that uh, finals run on the sideline in the yeah, that, so. Don't think he looked stretched. I, I think he looked weird. Um Sam Merrill comes in not a rookie, but as someone that you got that you kind of had to like rehabilitate a little bit. Like they've had success mm-hmm. with older guys. Yeah, they so, have. So so I I think it's fine. It it's like is it perfect? No, but are you getting someone from 23 to 27 and like there's room to grow there and you can make improvements and maybe you do give him some G League time just to like take threes? I think that's fine. All right, after this Danilo Gallinari to switch to the full other spectrum of of the roster. He signed with the Bucks. He's going to sign with the Bucks. The Cavs were reportedly talked had talked to him in some capacity. Did they miss out on not getting Gallo? I'm going to say no, and we'll talk about that after this. 
Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh just picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. He has two names on here that I liked. He has Marvin Bagley the third. Bagley, he writes, is Washington's likely starting center after Dan- the Daniel Gafford trade and is worth grabbing for fantasy leagues. Josh did spell, he is Australian, but he spelled center, C-E-N-T-R-E. That's wrong. I'm just, that that offends me personally. And Oscar Thompson, the Pistons also overhauled their roster, he writes, and we can only hope that Monty Williams will bump Asar back into a large role. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. I do this with my Ford Bronco, for instance. They have brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, and whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. Danilo Gallinari, 35 years old, 6'10 forward, most recently with the Detroit Pistons, waived last week, is going to the Bucks per The Athletic. Cavs among the Clippers and the Bulls, and obviously the Bucks were the teams in the report mentioned as having talked to Gallinari's agent about a deal. So Evan, did the are the Cavs missing anything by being the team that didn't get Danilo Gallinari? I mean, no. In the grand scheme of things, I'm sure like people may point to when Gallo went off uh, against Cleveland when the last time the Cavs hosted the Pistons, but Danilo Gallinari is. In the twilight of his career, um, he's a player that I've always been a fan of, especially like he stood out to me um, leading up to the Carmelo trade to age it a little bit to when he went from the Knicks to the Nuggets and Melo went to New York. But um, it's pretty clear like Cleveland is locked in one through 10. And if Gallo believes that he has gas in the tank and the ability to play going forward like that this is not a role for him maybe like the Cavs being a little bit more explicitly clear is a good thing because allegedly Danny Green was a little frustrated with the uncertainty around his role so this is probably good for them long term but I I think we can I think we can just say not a that's not alleged he just kind of said it like he himself said that so I don't think that's alleged either way um no I don't think the Cavs missed out on much I think like he has the ability to play like small ball five if you really needed him to, but I think the Cavs are in dire straits if they're playing Gallo at the five. That means like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are just not available whatsoever, and like Damian Jones really is unplayable. So if you're looking at it from like upgrading on Dean Wade and George Niang, two guys that one either have like a full familiarity with this group, as in Dean Wade or a guy who's much more comfortable as in George Niang. Like, I think you'd rather just roll with those guys because I don't see Gallo beating them out of the rotation because he's a dude who's had a lot of injury issues over the last few years. And 
as I said, is in the twilight of his career and has way less miles on those tires compared to like Dean Wade or George Niang. Like those are the two dudes he would be like fighting for minutes with in this rotation if he happened to sign with Cleveland. And I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't think he would play. I think that's just flat out. You just go down the roster. Okay. He's a four. He's a six ten four. He's not going to. I don't. I think him at the five is like nightmare the only reason i mention that is because the pistons played him at the five last time cleveland hosted detroit because they were down enough bodies and james wiseman was not available if i remember correctly yeah i don't think i'm doing anything the pistons are doing this year if i'm being honest i I agree like i said they have to be in dire straits if they're playing gallo at the five if you're the Cavs. like the pistons you're throwing everything by. at the wall and you're hoping you're sticking something. The Cavs, Cavs like Cavs are we're taking the Cavs the up on the woodshed. If yeah, we're putting them up on the woodshed, and if that's the if that's the case, um, so okay, you go down the list. He's a four. He's obviously not taking Evan Mobley's place in the starting lineup. Zero chance. Okay, go that'd to be, Dean Wade. That'd be spicy, but that'd be insane. That'd be a, a crime. Um, go to Dean Wade. Is Gallinari like a more proven shooter? Yeah. Yeah. But does he do anything better than Dean Wade right now? No, Dean Wade can play both ends of the floor. Gallinari is not a good defender. I don't think Gallo is going to hold up defensively in the playoffs. And then you go to George Niang. George Niang is like the more one-to-one comp for me. Because like Niang is a very offensive heavy guy. But Niang, like for as much as he drives people crazy sometimes, can at least sometimes bully his way to the rim. Does Gallo have that juice in him fully at this point? I don't know. And Inyang, at least, is a little bulkier on defense. Like, I trust him just a little bit more because he's younger and a little thicker. I Gallo would be there for depth and for the fact that you could sign him and just, like, have another body. But he wouldn't play. I think that's exactly right. No, no he wouldn't play. And even, like, with Milwaukee, uh, it's a situation where he can play for Doc Rivers again. I think that's what Shams Trania noted, but... Even come playoff time, like the defensive issues are such a huge concern. Like teams could pick Gallo apart, even if like some team, if the Bucks put him at the five, like oh my goodness, the teams that are playing Milwaukee in the playoffs, if Gallo's on the floor at that spot, like have to be licking their chops. Like <clears throat> he's going to be phased out of the rotation for Bobby Portis and Giannis at that point, but it, it gives Milwaukee a little bit more depth because they are very top heavy and kind of figuring out like what they have, especially with like the weird experiment that has been the Doc Rivers experience. But um, yeah, from the Cleveland side of things, I just you don't want to mess up a good thing. And if this is a guy who thinks he wants to play or can play, the juice may not be worth the squeeze, and you don't want to maybe worth a, w- excuse me waste a guy's time um, when you'd rather just you know look at your other options. The Gallinari signing to me would be more of something that fits the second era LeBron Cavs who were just all in on maximizing every year and just like signed older veterans because they kind of needed to and could had have specialists versus this Cavs team that doesn't have room for an older you, specialist. You would have the same impact as either Andrew Bogut or Darren Williams where like there's a flash in the pan and then it's just extremely frustrating every step of the way for that. Yeah, that's... Those are good comps. He would not give the Cavs much. Does it tell you anything, Evan, before we wrap this up, that they were interested in someone on the buyout market? The fact that they are at 14 guys right now, does there anything to anything of interest to you that they were slash could still be sniffing around the buyout market to, to maybe fill that 15th roster spot? Well, from what I've gathered, they've had interest in Gallo for at least a minute. Like, no one was sure what Detroit was going to do because... 
are they going to lean into competing or are they going to finally like embrace the fact that they're a bad team and need to kind of let the youngins play and the latter out. But um, it would have made sense for the Cavs to acquire him via trade if like Dean Wade was the casualty to get Royce O'Neal and you needed to just add position with like George Niang really taking over as the backup forward and like Royce soaking up some minutes there too. But um, once Royce went to the Phoenix, it made another trade for him and it makes sense now like you have two dudes like we just talked about Dean Wade and George Neal like two guys that are clearly preferential to what the Cavs are trying to do at the power forward even small forward spot depending on the lineups too um, compared to what Gallo can give you right now so yeah I'm, I'm not overly surprised and I think like Cleveland does inter- present an interesting case where they are a young up-and-coming team and they could give a vet like an opportunity to maybe play for some meaningful basketball late into the season but as i've said several times like there's there's no promise that that player would like touch the floor for cleveland either like he would just be a vibes guy yeah curious to see if they do go and get one of the other names out there um i don't think they really need to it would absolutely just be a we're both available piece i'll take a lot of money I already, I mean, I already did my sellout thing this year. I'll, I'll do it again. Um, after this, All-Star Weekend. What are we looking forward to? What do we like about it? What do we not like about All-Star Weekend? That's up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Robinhood. Do you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most free retirement thanks to their IRA with that 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of their first three deposit match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis begins Friday. The Cavs representatives there will be Donovan Mitchell in the three-point contest in the All-Star game. And then Amani Bates on a two-way deal will be there playing in the G League next up game on Sunday and in the Rising Stars Challenge. On Friday, Evan, what are you looking forward to for All-Star Weekend? What is like the one thing that if you're going to watch any of it, if you're going to make sure you see something, what is the event, the the thing? Like what about All-Star Weekend are you looking forward to? I mean, broad stroke, the how the NBA walked back the ALM format is always going to be fascinating to me because that you and I are sitting next to each other during All-Star in Cleveland. Like it, it made the game like actually engaging and fun, but I maybe it's a bit of a cop-out, but I am getting more and more Jones to the idea of Imani Bates and the Chile Igniters and the guys 
from other G League teams going up against like Victor Wembanyama and other like other top picks. Like it, there's something fun in that. Like if these guys who went undrafted and they're trying to like prove they belong with an NBA team. In this case, Bates with the Cavs long term on his two way deal, or um, any of the other fellows as well. But like they're going up against Wembanyama. Like that that that's marquee. That's big time for me. I'm also biased because I'm a Wemby guy to begin with. But um, wow, you no, think Wemby's good? I know it's a hot take. It's like it's hotter than the bars I was dropping when you kept saying IRA and a song got stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, that's I'm looking forward to Rising Stars. It's always fun just because like I think that format, like they made it exciting after it like turned into a bit of like an all star shootout type of thing where like the mini term tournament format does make it fun. And I don't know, like we can also get a pretty good temperature check on where Bates is at developmental wise because he's not just playing G League dudes, like no disrespect to G League guys, but there is like an air of difference when you're playing rookies and sophomores that are playing on the NBA on a nightly basis compared to guys that maybe you're seeing down when you're with the charge. And for you and I covering the show, at least gives us perspective on like where Bates is at developmentally and like where does he need to improve besides maybe some of the obvious things we already know he needs to improve. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm not take, I don't take a single thing on Ulster Weekend seriously as far as development goes. Doesn't mean it. If I see something, I'm like, oh, that's neat. Like a, I don't know. Yeah, it it can be cool. More like point stuff or things like that. You know, these these things are just like these things are just like for fun and for energy. Where like, yes, it can get competitive, but I it's this is just like before Adam Silver um, course corrected too hard. This is just for like lol. So I'm just gonna like you. Just want no one gets hurt. The people go have a good time. Everyone gets along, and we go. There's two things that I'm looking forward to. Number one, so All-Star Saturday night um, is at the, the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. Cool That's kind of cool. I just want to see what that looks like in a football stadium. That's kind of cool to me. I just want to know how, like, like, that's a lot of people for, like, what could be, like, a mid-dunk contest. Like, I, I don't under, like, that, there's just, like, a, like something there's maybe something wrong with me i think there certainly is but i want to watch like how weird that is in that type of environment because it's just blown out to proportions um picking mac mcclung to win the dunk contest too i just like the dunk contest might be dead but jalen brown if jalen brown wins it and then it's back because that's like a starish player that's won it but i'm also just like how yeah and then how donovan mitchell does this weekend is just the other thing like not in terms of like that it matters but he's the only Cavs representative that anyone... Like, all respect to Imani Bates. And it's really cool that he gets to participate in two things. The only Cavs person people are really going to care about in a big way come Monday and how he performed is Mitchell. He's the representative of the team in Indianapolis for all intents and purposes. Jared Allen's not there. Darius Garland's not there. Evan Moby's not there. Does he have a big show in the All-Star game? Does he win the three-point contest? How many times does he get asked about his future and gets annoyed about it? He's he's just like the guy on the stage for Cleveland in this environment. I want to see what he says. I want to see how he performs and, and if he feels like a big star in this space. Well, I have to ask you something real quick. Did you watch the Uh-oh. NCAA Men's Basketball Final Four in 2010, 2015, or 2021? Bro, I don't remember what I ate for lunch today. Like, I don't, I don't remember. Probably. I don't believe that. 
I do remember what I ate for lunch today, but but like there I don't remember. I'm Thank sure you for I watched them. What I knew, I'm just teasing. Okay, so I, like, yeah, that's basketball <laughs> at Lucas Oil, but also just like a but it's stadium. but it's different because it's like the dunk contest. Like, are we gonna get like like honestly, if I could bet on it on Fanduel, Pat McAfee is getting involved with the dunk contest. Unfortunately, uh, I'm um, pro. I'm this is I'm pro Pat McAfee. He makes me good. I don't like Pat McAfee. So changing the subject. Um. Yeah, the, the the representation thing will be interesting. Like, does Mitchell maybe really get into his bag? Like, how much does he play? Um, that's the other thing too. Like, how how does um, I guess Doc Rivers and not his staff because I don't know what the Bucks coaching staff situation is for the All Star game. I haven't really checked up on it. Um, how do they manage minutes? Like, you would imagine Giannis hardly plays if at all in this game, just because you want to rest him as much as you can, let him have a few dunks or whatever, but. I don't know. The All-Star game is always fun just because you're watching the best of the best, even if it's a glorified shootout. Um, I think the over-under right now is on 160 for the combined total score. What are you taking on that? Or no, no, no not 160. Not 160. Um, 260? Three, it's two... Yeah, no. Yeah, 260, I think. Um, uh, over, over, all the t- over all the time. Uh, give me some odds. Especially after they got rid of the Elam. Elam format, like there's not like a set score in mind or maybe teams actually like trying um come fourth quarter time because there is like some stakes to it but i don't know well we'll see how it goes i am curious i'm still curious why uh adam silver felt the need to like course correct as much as he did after making so many sweeping changes in the all-star format but you know it's say levy um We'll see. Maybe there's another event that needs a shot in the arm. Like the skills competition was fun as heck because I think the year in Cleveland is the first year they tried the new format. And I'm like, wow, this is actually like entertaining. <laughs> so um, instead of just watching guys like awkwardly pass into like a pitching net the whole time, I don't know. All Star is it's fun. It's also nice for you and I because we can kind of recharge our batteries a little bit and get ready for the grind that is the remainder of the season. All-Star, uh, the only odds we see right now. Also, I refer to the Sabrina and SQ Steph Curry shootout. That's going to be fun. Um, Three-point contest odds from FanDuel. Damian Lillard is the favorite. He won last year. He's at plus 390. Halliburton, plus 450. Trey Young, plus 550. Malik Beasley, plus 650. Carl Anthony Towns, plus 700. Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson are both plus 750. And Lowry Marketing is plus 800. You can check out all their All-Star Weekend odds and games and everything at FanDuel. The East is a three-point underdog over-under set at 363.5. Money line one plus 126 for these minus 148 I'm, for the I'm West. Taking the, I'm taking the under on that one. I think 363 plus is that might be a little too hard to accomplish. And Give me, give me uh, eight hundred. Uh, give me four hundred points. That's all. I just, if I'm gonna be up until eleven o'clock watching a game that does not mean anything and give anyone anything of value, well, because I need to write a blog about game, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, there you go. Because I have to write a blog, like, and then we'll like have to like talk about it ostensibly come Monday when we record on our uh, and think and talk about All Star Weekend and just like know what Mitchell did and how he looked. And I'm a professional. I I show up for my job and I clock in. Hashtag blue collar. Give me the over. I give me just give me four hundred points. Give me like both teams just on fire. I don't want any defense. No defense. Well, I hope they're not on fire. And also, congrats to you for rolling up your sleeves one sleeve at a time because you're hashtag blue collar. But that's that's right. Let's end there though. Note, I'm let's Chris, end there. Yeah. See you guys Monday. I'm Chris Manning. That's been Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. 
Enjoy All-Star Weekend. Enjoy the three-day weekend if you're so lucky to have off on a Monday. We'll talk to you then and get you ready for the second half of the NBA season. Enjoy the weekend.